What's going on, guys? Zach here with the Zach Shanky Podcast. You know, it's funny. So the last, like, the last two episodes, two? Yes. The last two episodes that you listened to, it was, uh, those were previous, <laughs> previous episodes. Oh, I'm trying not to let the wind get in the mic here. Um, that I recorded, like, a month and a half ago. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot about these. So, anyway, it's all good. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, today I'm going to talk about something very, very important. There is a book. Um, imagine that. I'm referencing a book. I've read so many books, guys. You should too. Um, you should be a book junkie. But not just a book junkie. An action-taking book junkie. Okay? Um, I think it's very important to be taking action on what you're reading. Well, there's a book that I've read probably a dozen times, uh, maybe more. Um, it's actually the very first book that I've ever read surrounding personal development. And the book is called Secrets of a Millionaire's Mind. Secrets of a Millionaire's Mind by T. Harv Ecker. And I'm going to tell you the basic premise of the book, and then I'll tell you a quick tip and a long tip. Okay? So the basic premise is, is pretty simple. Um... Essentially, and there's real proof to back this up, essentially everyone has what's, what the author calls a financial blueprint. Um, it's essentially, it's an amount of, amount of money that you are accustomed to. Accustomed to making, accustomed to spending. And anything above that, that comfort zone is a stretch, if not impossible, to attain without being aware of this blueprint situation. Where does the blueprint come from? It comes from programming, right? It comes from the way you were raised. It comes from your subconscious mind. It comes from so many different sources, which is, and I talk about the subconscious mind a lot on this podcast because ultimately that's what determines your, um, um, like your situation. It, it, it kind of, your subconscious mind determines kind of everything in your life. It's kind of a big deal. Um, so anyway, I talk about that a lot. And your financial blueprint is completely subconscious. And you have to be able to learn to identify it and overcome it. I'll give you an example. Um, my old financial blueprint, no joke, was about 7000 a month. And I could not get over that. I could not... It was, it was rare I would get less than that, but it was like, no matter what my efforts were, no matter what career path I chose, 7K a month was kind of like just what I was making, just in general, right? There was a point in time as an engineer that I broke past that, and I got into the like 90, 98,000 a year, you know, so just, just shot like basically 8,300 a month or something like that, um, and... But for the most part, between seven and 8,000 has always been like my limit, or it was always my limit. And if I ever made more than that, lo and behold, I have to pay for a car repair, or I have to pay for something else that comes up unexpectedly, right? And it drops me back down to that seven to 8K range, right? If I made less than that, all of a sudden I got my tax return, or I got something else that boom, brought me right back up. Isn't that interesting? So, 
Here's the quick tip on how to overcome. Oh, wind, go away. Quick tip on how to overcome that particular obstacle to overcome that blueprint, whatever that number might be. For some people, it's $3,000 a month. Some people, it's it's 15000 a month, right? Like, everyone's got a number. Um, so the quick tip, very, very quick, very simple. It's manage your money. Don't let your money manage you. I'm going to tell you, I had this epiphany. And listen, I, I'm an extreme person sometimes. Um, sometimes the decisions I make are not the wisest decisions. But I did have this epiphany of not letting my money control me and instead me controlling it. And so what I decided to do is I decided to um, um, not repair a car. So what it was, I have, I, I was in Oklahoma, I had two vehicles. I had a minivan, like a Honda Odyssey, and then I had my Mazda 3, which I still have today, okay? And, uh, well, <laughs> the minivan broke down. Like, good old smoke and everything, okay? Like, I guess you could say it was steam, but whatever. It was not good. And we had to get it towed, and we got it back to our house, and we started calling around for mechanics and telling them what's going on, and they started quoting us, and the quotes were pretty big, nasty numbers for me at the time. And this was when I had this epiphany of, like, you know what? Screw you, Van. <laughs> right? It was, like, it was like, you're gonna stay broken, and I don't even care. We're gonna figure something out, right? We still have a vehicle. It's not like we're going without groceries or anything. It just means we can't go anywhere as a family completely unless it was two trips, which is uncalled for in Oklahoma because everywhere is a very long drive because we were in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but still, it was it was there, right? So like so that van just chilled for a couple years <laughs> on the side of our driveway because I didn't I just said, you know what? I'm not letting this control me. We gotta figure out another family vehicle and we'll sell this to a junk junkyard or something you know um just to get rid of it and so that that has kind of been my my way that was like my my turning point in my income when i look back that decision which is a little extreme not gonna deny that it's a little extreme but that decision to simply go without because i'm in control of my money and it's not in control of me that was kind of a turning point in my income from then on, things started going better. Um, it's really, really pretty intense. Um, and so, <laughs> whew, I'm starting to get winded already. It's only been seven minutes on this 30 minute walk. So anyway, um, I don't know if that makes any sense, you guys, but control your money, don't let it control you. So in that book, Secrets of a Millionaire's Mind, he talks about this a little bit. And one of the concepts that he talks about is budgeting. And so, and by the way, this is still the quick tip. <laughs> Can you imagine the long tip? All right. <laughs> so, budgeting. And, and it made me laugh when I first read this because the first time I read this book, I was 18 years old. I, my budget consisted of zero dollars, right? <laughs> I, was, I was looking for work. And uh, um, 
I ended up joining the Navy, okay? That was the decision I had to make is what do I want to do? And I ended up joining the Navy. And, um, but I had zero dollars when I'm reading this book. And what his budget talks about made me laugh because it was, it, it blew my mind. Because here's how the guy's budget worked. He said 50% of your income goes towards your your bills, your necessities, your the things you got to pay for. Groceries, rent, electricity, gas, right? Like all the things you have to pay for, right? 50% of your income should go to that. <laughs> That's what made me laugh. <laughs> because I grew up in a household where every paycheck was not enough. We weren't living paycheck to paycheck. We were living less than a paycheck to paycheck because... We didn't have enough, and then my parents made silly decisions with loans, um, which caused more debt, which caused bankruptcies, multiple, um, and that, that, was, that was the life I grew up with, right? Constant arguing about money, just constant about that. What does that do? It messes with my subconscious mind, right? You might have experienced something similar. Right, so my subconscious mind hears this idea, this concept of making double what you need. What? What? How is that a thing? And that, that subconscious thought stuck with me for so long. And even when I was an engineer, there was another engineer who I couldn't stand to be honest, but she was very good at her job. No denying that, she's a very skilled engineer. And uh, she was talking to somebody else and I happened to be eavesdropping because my desk was right there. And uh, she was telling them how she was putting away 1500 bucks a month into some kind of savings. And I remember thinking at that point, like, what? How? I know she makes about the same as me. You know, like, how is she doing that? And it, and it just, it just, isn't it interesting? Just your belief system surrounding money determines the external result of money. So fix your freaking belief system. Okay? So, quick tip. Manage your money. Don't let it manage you. A good way to do that is to budget appropriately. Here's how I budget. I'm going to tell you how I budget. And I've said this before on this podcast. It's not changed at all because I love the way I budget. And in fact, sometimes I can play around with this method to benefit me more. <laughs> so... I'm going to show you that too. Well, tell you that. Um, and maybe the long tip will be saved for another podcast because I do have a whole another side to how to overcome your, your low financial blueprint and make it bigger. By the way, the financial blueprint thing, this is exactly why people that win the lottery end up just as broke as they were within a year or two. It's because their financial blueprint cannot handle what they receive. It, it can't, it can't comprehend it. it th that amount of money doesn't exist. They can't believe it even if they're seeing it subconsciously. Okay. It's a big, big deal. So <clears throat> what was I saying? Right. Budget. I'll tell you how I budget. 50%. 50% of everything I make goes into a necessities Let's just say that I'm taking this money and putting it into envelopes just because my bank, they actually have virtual envelopes <laughs> so I can actually sort and organize my money appropriately.
but if it helps you visualize, pretend like every dime I make is cash and I'm literally putting it into an envelope, okay? It might help just to understand how it's organized. So half of everything I make goes into an envelope called necessities, which is basically bills, okay? Uh, now, <laughs> here's the interesting thing about that because I don't, I don't follow the book completely to a T there. I believe money is meant to move. If you are a good steward of your money, that doesn't mean hoard it. No, do not hoard your money. Be smart with it. There is a difference, okay? If we think about the parable of the talents in the Bible, right? Parable of the talents, one dude, he buried his talent, right? He buried the coin. And then when the, the, the owner of the coin comes back, he gives him that one same coin and says, I was afraid to lose it, so I buried it. Here you go. We don't want that to happen, guys. That is not the right way to handle and be a good steward of what God has given you, okay? A good way to do it is for money to move. Money needs to move. It needs to move. It is a high-frequency energy <laughs> money, okay? Like, so, so here's what I do, okay? In my actual bank account, not the envelopes, okay? In my actual bank account is this month's necessities. So, for example, it's April. Okay, at the, on April 1st, I moved everything that I needed from my necessities folder into my bank account that will cover all the bills this month. Okay, now what's left in my necessities folder is about two months worth of necessities. My, my whole thing here is that necessities folder, or, or envelope, sorry, that necessities envelope can only be a max a maximum of three months worth of bills and expenses. And be really honest with yourself on those bills and expenses. Don't let anything slip by. Okay, don't forget a subscription or whatever. Okay, be very, very accurate. Okay? So my necessities folder has three months in it, not including the month I'm living in. So technically I always have four months worth of, of money there okay <laughs> but that's it i don't go more than that some people they they get so in depth into that savings and being ahead that they lose the concept of money moving it has to move you guys also there's a responsible side of your brain and an irresponsible side and if you're only peasing appeasing one of those two the other one's going to feel left out and you're going to end up doing something dumb with your money <laughs> okay so you have to have some irresponsible money as well. So, back to my budget. So half of everything I make goes into this necessities envelope up to a cap of three months worth of necessities saved up in there. And I know what that number is, and I, I have that listed. I know exactly how much is in the envelope, etc. okay? Then, anything beyond, well, well, the other half, the other half of the money I make gets split up into five different accounts. So basically 10% of the money I make goes into these five accounts. One of them is what I call long-term spending. This is mainly primarily used for big purchases, maybe a house down payment if you're looking really big, maybe it's a car, buying a car, maybe it's a vacation, right? Whatever it is, long-term spending, it is meant to be spent. It is not meant to save forever. You should have a target number in mind, save up to that number, and then spend it. Okay? Long-term spending. Right now, 
I'm using that account for two reasons. Number one, vacation, which <laughs> I almost have enough for a really cool mini vacation for me and my kids. Um, and number two is uh, I'm actually saving up to pay a year's worth of rent for a bigger place. Not that my, I'm very grateful for my current place, if you guys know the crazy story with that. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna pay a year's worth of rent for a bigger place down the road. <laughs> okay. Um, so I've got two reasons for my long-term spending account. Account number two is my play account. Okay. Play account is for me. It is my account. 10% of my money I have to spend on me. Whatever I want. Okay. And I've used that for so many things. I've used it to upgrade my computer because I love a good working computer. It helps me be more effective and efficient with work. It helps me have fun with games when I play with my kids. It, it's just overall a great thing. What a great investment is to put money into my, my own uh, computer. I've used it for um, certain toys and cleaning supplies, believe it or not. I bought, I think I mentioned this on the previous podcast. Maybe I didn't, but I bought a steamer recently. Uh, I don't know why, but it really excites me because you can steam clean stuff and it's really fun. Um, <laughs> that was out of my play money, right? I buy myself clothes on occasion, even from Prosperity Movement, shop.prosperitymovement.online. Go get some, some merch, right? I buy my own merch. <laughs> why wouldn't I? I love it. I love representing. Um, <laughs> there's just so many things that I use that play money for and it's all for me. Okay, and don't and that's your guilt-free spending, guys. Do not feel bad. I, I I know some of you parents out there, when you spend money on yourself and not your kids, you get this little twinge of of guilt. Guys, lose it. Lose it. You are not just working for your kids, although that is a primary part. Are you kidding me? If you're putting 50% of the money you make into necessities, isn't that for your kids? Long-term spending, isn't that for your kids? Give yourself 10%. Goodness gracious, you deserve it, okay? And trust me, you feel like a million bucks with that play account. Even if there's a little bit of money in there, enough for a candy bar, you still feel like a million bucks, okay? There's a psychological benefit to that. So play account. Long-term spending, play account. Account number three, give account. This is for giving Give to your kids. Give to your friends. Give to your spouse. Give to uh, your parents, your siblings, your nephews, your cousins, whatever. Okay, that is your give account. Someone's got a birthday coming up. Boom, you pull it out of the give account. You want to build a, a better relationship with somebody and you want to give them a gift tax deductible <laughs> comes out of your give account right like there's so many things that you can do with that give account i use my give account for going out to eat with my family and i never run out of it okay like like it's constant i don't spend i don't spend the give account a ton but probably once a week i take my kiddos and we go somewhere great you know um and it's fun you know somewhere great that's kid friendly i'm not gonna take them to like a crazy awesome steakhouse or anything uh, but you know <laughs> we go to buffets or i mean my kids are just super grateful honestly with any any takeout food because of uh the whole last year and, and some of the hardships that they had so yeah i mean i just use the give account to give to them um, I use it sometimes for other purposes, but mostly to my kids, honestly. 
<clears throat> that's your give account. Account number four is your relationship account. This is to build relationships, naturally. So this can be for your spouse, okay? Um, it can be for um, your girlfriend if you're not married yet, right? It's, it's like your date money. Um, it could also be for business relationships, right? Taking, a, taking somebody out to lunch for, for a business meeting or something like that. All of that can come out of the relationships envelope. Um, and then account number five, definitely not the, not the uh, least important, definitely one of the most important, and that is your financial freedom account, okay? This is to eliminate debt. This is to invest. Eliminate debt and invest, okay? Those are the two things. Which one comes first? It's up to you. It's up to you how you want to manage that. Personally, my first, uh, one of my first things that, that's coming out of that account that I'm saving up for because I actually want to... I want it to be a very big account, um, is I'm actually going to leverage in the infinite banking system. And then I'm going to use that infinite banking system to then pay off debt. Uh, that's all coming in phase three of the prosperity movement. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry. We're going to educate you. We're going to show you. Um, and we live what we preach. So um, we're actually going to have like real example of how I'm personally using it. Um, anyway, whatever. So that's how I'm using my financial freedom account right now. Um, but you can use that to, to eliminate little debts here and there. Um, you can use it to invest into something, someone, um, you know, whatever, whatever fits. So those are the five accounts for 10% of your income. Now here's where it shifts. What if, what if you have three months in necessities and then you make more money? What do you do with that other half? Well, then you just take the full amount that you made divided by five. So now each of those accounts gets 20% of whatever money you made until the next month when you pull out of the necessities envelope, put it into your bank account, and now you have to fill that up again, then you're doing the 50% thing again. See how all this adds up? Now I mentioned that I, I'm playing around with it a little bit, yeah. So I mentioned how the long-term spending, one of the things I wanna do is get a bigger place and save up to pay a year's worth of rent on that. Okay, to do that, when necessities is full, which it is right now, any extra money that I make, 50% is no longer going into necessities, but it's going into long-term spending. It'll help me save it up faster, okay? And then the rest is divided among the other four accounts. Okay, so they, they also grow a little bit quicker. But I don't, I don't ever take the full amount and put it into one envelope. Now, what about for those of you that maybe... Uh, Half of your income, like what you know, how I laughed the first time I heard about this concept. Um, maybe some of you are in that boat. You don't make enough to put to use only half for expenses. That's fine. All you have to do is you got to flip it around, but you have to manage it. Okay, you can't go without. In those other five accounts, you have to every time you make money at least put in a buck. You can afford five dollars. If you can't, don't get Starbucks for a day. <laughs> and then use that to put into those accounts. You can, you can afford $1 every time you get paid, bare minimum. And this is how I actually started this budgeting system. I came back um, after the Navy. I, in the Navy, I did not, I was not responsible. <laughs> I was an 18 year old, newfound freedom in the Navy. <laughs> and yeah, I spent like a, 
like a madman because I didn't have to pay for anything. When you're in the Navy, you have no rent, you have no food costs, nothing. You literally are just making money for, for what? You know, I didn't have any kids or anything, so I kind of went wild on that. But after that, I went on a mission trip. After my mission trip for two years, I came back, and that's when I started finally taking this budget seriously. And at first, I didn't have enough money to do the 50% thing and to do all that. So what I ended up doing is I just took what I felt was a comfortable number in each of the other accounts, which for me was five bucks. Every time I got paid, five dollars in each of those other accounts and that play money, man, I got myself a candy bar or a soda or something because I could, you know? Unless I saved up enough, then I'd get myself some Subway or some restaurant food, you know? Like, that's where I started, guys. And that's how it should be. The trick, though, and the, the hard part to this whole budget, the trick is you have to be in control. Don't let outside circumstances change your budgeting system. Okay, <clears throat> what do I mean by that? I mean a broken car. Don't pull that out of necessities. Don't pull that out of any of those envelopes, except for maybe um, financial freedom, right? Like save, save up for that. Well, what if you really need to get your car fixed? Well, then maybe ask for some help, you know, um, find a mechanic that's willing to let you do payments. I've done that. I, I found one back in my hometown. I had one. Every time I needed a car fix, I went to him and he would fix it and I would pay him on a monthly basis to pay it off. And I did every time, right? That became a necessity payment. But don't let these big unexpected expenses, don't let them rule your life. There comes a point in time you got to put your foot down and say, this is my money. And no, no circumstances are going to make, you know, make me mismanage it. Um, and I know that's really hard in a lot of cases. But I'm telling you, the moment you put that foot down, like I did with my van that one time, okay, the moment you put that foot down, your financial blueprint, the subconscious mind of what you are capable of financially will slowly start to break. That ceiling will crack and eventually shatter and you'll be able to skyrocket your income. The sky's the limit, really. And you know what's interesting? You'll have a new financial blueprint. <laughs> so right now, I have a financial blueprint even today. It's higher, it's, it's a lot higher than it used to be, but I still have it. And even my business partners have it, and I've, I've been coaching them too, like as well as myself, right? Because I'm not perfect. And so I would tell them like, hey guys, um, we got to stop focusing on the number. We, we're focusing on the wrong numbers, right? We were focused more on revenue, but the revenue number, that's our cap. We have a cap on that. I'm like, let's stop focusing on the revenue number. Let's focus on how many sales a week. Okay, if, that, if that's not enough, let's focus on how many calendar appointments we have a week, right? And if we can find the right number to focus on, all of a sudden we forget about the actual financial number and we're just focused on a goal. And when that happens, there goes complacency, right? There goes comfort level. You're just focused on a different number. You got to hit that every time. And lo and behold, your financial blueprint is going to increase. But we'll talk more about that because that dives a little bit more deeper into the long tip. 
my short tip took 30 minutes so so i'll have to do the long tip next time um but manage your money don't let it manage you that's my tip for you guys to break through your own financial mental financial ceiling also read the book a secret secrets of Mil- secrets of a millionaire's mind read that book read it read it three times five times like that's one that should be like for real ingrained in your brain um memorized almost he goes into like a lot of mindset too like the way the way that people think um so read it read it read it read it read it, read it, read it over and over and over and over again or listen to it on, on uh, audiobooks that's that book that book has made me more money um than i ever believed possible for a however much money it is $11 book whatever it is 15 bucks are you kidding me like yes please I used to have a hardcover or a a, not a hardcover a hard copy of it I don't know where it went (laughs) but now I have the audiobook (laughs) so I've I just recently listened to it again it's like like I said it's probably been a dozen times over the years since I was 18 um I might listen to it again because that's how impactful it is anyway you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope I can help. I hope I am helping. Um, let me know. I'm always looking for feedback, ways to improve, or just compliments to feed my ego. Either way, I'm happy. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Love you all. Talk to you later.